What can 12 content website investments teach you about making money online? Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Michael Dinich, who launched Wealth of Geeks to Make Personal Finance Fun. It's a blog, and he has worked in personal finance for over 20 years, helping families reduce taxes, increase their income, and save for retirement. Now, Michael is passionate about personal finance, side hustles, and all things geeky, but he's also bought multiple websites. And as a financial advisor, this speaks volumes to investing in websites. And in this podcast episode, Michael and I talk about how he got started in blogging. And then how he started buying websites. Now, why he as a financial loves buying sites for their ROI compared to some of the other investments like one of the investments that his friend has made. We also talk about not just why you buy sites, but where he buys these websites. And it's not always from where you think, just like Flipper and Empire Flippers and all that sort of stuff, and how you can go away and start to find sites for sale the same way that he can and he is doing as well. We also flip the conversation into talking about risks, of course. When buying sites, there's always risks. So we look at the risks that he looks at when buying sites and how he identifies those risks. We also talk about some of the tools he uses when doing due diligence and what he looks for throughout those tools. And then we also talk about some of the growth opportunities he looks for when he's buying a website prior to purchasing it so we can add leverage to the site and grow it. And why maybe you can't do this for your first deal, but you can do it after you've learned on your first investment as well and plug in what you have learned, the experience you've got into your into your future deals. We also talk about what you shouldn't be doing as a first-time investor and how people actually got get caught out by you know doing some newbie mistakes. And we talk about what he does once he's bought the site in terms of growth strategies after buying that site as well. Now, there's so much value in this podcast episode. You guys are absolutely going to love it. Now, we talk a lot about buying sites. Please, please, please do yourself a massive favor. Don't go away and buy a site by yourself. I have my personal Judon's framework that you can go away and get, and you can get it from buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources. It's what I've used. It's what my clients have used to buy multiple businesses. It's helped us save a lot of money, and it's helped us make a lot of money, and it takes the guesswork out of buying businesses businesses. So make sure you go away and grab that if you don't already have it. Let's now dive into the podcast episode. Do you want to build or grow your content website? Niche website builders have helped hundreds of people to take their content websites from a few hundred dollars per month to over tens of thousands of dollars per month with crafted content creation, buying age domains and link building strategies. These strategies have helped people increase their traffic, authority, monthly earnings and their website valuation too. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash B-O-B forward slash to get 10% off any link building or 10% more from their content creation services. That's nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob forward slash. I'll put a link in the description too. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you being here. I see that you've done some cool things in the space of buying sites, and I want to get you on to chat about that. But you started in personal finances, right? Like you started learning personal finances and then blogging about it. Is that how you got started in the in the space? Uh, correct. Yeah, I was a financial advisor, and someone had uh, talked to me into launching a blog to promote my financial planning practice. And so I asked them, what's a blog? And they were like, uh, well, you don't need to know what a blog is. Just, uh, you know, we'll do everything. 
And, you know, all you have to do is just kind of put your name on it and write us a check. And so I went with that and they wrote uh, probably articles for about a month or two. And I was reviewing the articles and I kind of looked at them and I said, this isn't, you know, the kind of quality that I want going out in my name. So I fired them and took over running the blog myself and started writing my own blog blog articles. And that really uh, you know, caused me to fall in love with blogging. You know, I just kind of, you know, took to it and it felt that it was really kind of cool and, you know, started studying, you know, everything about blogging and and then that's how I got to where I am today. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Actually, it's kind of similar to me. I was doing, uh, I was traveling a lot and I was doing just travel photography. And somebody said to me, oh, you, sh- you got some good photos. You should put your photography on a blog. And I was like, hang on, what's a what's a blog? Tell me what a blog was. I was like, I don't really want to put any, I don't want to put myself online. <laughs> sure. Very different to where I'm at now with all the content and stuff that we create. Uh, but then, yeah, I started a, tra- a travel photography blog that turned into a travel blog. I started falling in love with writing as well. And and then I had to teach myself some SEO stuff. And cool that we're very similar in that aspect. May I ask, when did you decide to start the blog or when did they approach you about like, hey, you should start putting some of your stuff online? It was right at the end of 2017. Okay. So uh, I think they started doing uh, like the first couple articles really in January of 2018. And then I mm-hmm. fired them somewhere in February. <laughs> so pretty quickly <laughs> yeah pr- pretty pretty quickly and you know it's kind of and you probably had the same experience too i think you, you know being a little bit of a blogging outsider like not knowing what a blog was i mean mm-hmm. gave like kind of a neat perspective because you didn't know any better so you just kind of knew you know kind of know what you want it to be like mm-hmm. opposed to trying to emulate somebody else and you know so i didn't really know what a successful blog looked like i just knew what i didn't want to be and that was what they were doing. Yeah. And you didn't want to put out that content that they were putting out, right? Like I was the same as like, I was writing things and then I was like, is this actually even good? Are people going to read it? And is it something that I stand behind? And then it just evolved, you know, and as I'm sure it has for you. So you started that one. Have you started any others? Yeah. Um, well, after after that blog uh, started doing well and started growing, I actually left my job full-time to run that blog full-time. Mm. And cool. then... Right. Uh, an, an opportunity came up to buy another blog and I thought, oh, it would be really cool to have a second source of income, a, a backup in case, you know, Google moves against this one or whatever. They have kind of a, a safety net. So we I purchased an, another website, the, uh, another personal finance blogger was selling. We purchased that website and then uh, growing that uh, second site, the you know, opportunity came up to purchase uh, another website and you know rinse and repeat that happened a, f- a few times and now we end up owning you know 12 blogs yeah that's cool congratulations so thank you why how did these opportunities come up were you kind of because I'm, I'm curious because you're in personal finance and as a financial advisor what sort of caused you to go this is a good asset to purchase versus maybe spending your money somewhere else well, that's, that's a great question. Uh, and really, as a financial advisor, the, the one thing that I realized was the return on investments with a blog are, are phenomenal. Uh, you know, our content websites, you know, I think that the ROAs on them beat pretty much anything out there. Uh, you know, I have a friend, I kind of, you know, who's a blogging friend of mine, but he just bought a rental property and, you know, I kind of, you know, Give them, give them a hard time all the time because I'm like, why did you buy that rental property when you're making, you know, 
hopefully a couple thousand dollars a month kind of profit on it. And your blog's making like three times more than that. And considering <laughs> all the heartache and, and headache and stuff that you have to have with real estate, right? Fixing leaky toilets and, you know, renters that don't pay rent on time, all that kind of stuff. You know, a blog, you know, is a really great, you know, really great, you know, investment. Like you can't, we purchased one website, uh, just recently for $6,000 on Flipper. And it was just with AdSense. And because we're with AdThrive, we're able to uh, move the site over to AdThrive under the re reduced requirements. So we purchased a website, nice. worked on growing the traffic a little bit, and we've only had it for like 45 days, but it's already doing about $25 a day. So cool. I know that's not huge. It's a small baby site. We're kind of working on it, but you tell yeah, me yeah. where you can go and get a stock for $6,000 and it pays you a dividend of you know, 20 bucks, you know, 20 bucks a day. It's just not out there. And it's certainly not at the risk level, risk return level of, of a blog. So 20 bucks a day. So it's making about $600 a month. Correct. So within 10 months, you'll get a hundred percent ROI basically. Yeah, pretty much. Because, because of your higher RPMs basically, or earning per monthly views or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it with ad drive compared to what it was earning. Yeah, cool. So this is a, this is one thing that I see that is is very important for somebody that it's hard to do when you with your first site, but after you've done some work on your first site, buying a second one is you've learned some skills which you can use as leverage to grow the next one, which is really important to look for when you're purchasing that site. So I dare say that Absolutely. you found that on Flipper and you thought, hang on, we could just roll this over to get higher earning per monthly views sort of thing with AdThrive. Great Absolutely. leverage. That that's that's a great answer to hear from a financial advisor on the returns compared to like property and compared to you know stocks and stuff like that. I'm that's why I got in this space as well. I actually had money in the share market, wasn't doing so well, and I had tried to make my blogs work and grow them, and I just wanted faster growth. So I thought, well, why don't I go ahead and put this cash yeah. into into investments, and it, and it turned out really well and. Like you, you buy one and you just go, wow, that worked really good. And you keep going again and again and again. So where are you, are you finding all of these sites on Flipper? Are you also looking at the under 10K range for sites or have you bought bigger ones? What does it look yeah, like? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great question. We have uh, purchased some, some bigger websites, but I try to find uh, websites that are kind of in the position where they save me a lot of time, but I'm not paying for kind of like revenue you don't that I don't need. So for example, in, in my mind, buying a website that's getting like 25,000 page views is actually a better deal than buying one that maybe gets 200,000 page views because you have to pay a big premium for the extra 200,000 page views. And it's relatively easy, you know, not easy, relatively easy. It's relatively easy to go from 25,000 page views to 100,000 page views. It's much easier to do that than to take a website from 200,000 page views to, you know, 300,000 page views. And there is some risk. Obviously, if you buy a larger, the larger the website you buy, um, especially if you're maybe not as experienced with running the websites, there's risk that if something goes wrong, 
you know, you could end up losing, you know, some money or getting hurt or it'll take longer to recover. So I like those kind of websites where they're like, okay, somebody, some other previous owner put in the first year or two of work of growing it. And now you can just step in and apply a little bit of muscle to it and take it over the finish line. And maybe it only takes three or four months opposed to buying something that's so large and so developed that you end up paying a massive premium for it. Cool. Cool. Different investing. I I like it because I have a different investment style myself. Um, Yeah. How do you, Purchasers. Yeah, I like to. Uh, I've done some experiments with some smaller sites, and I think it's easier for me to. I mean, I have a bit of experience in the space to buy a larger site, um, have a big network, and that sort of stuff. But I also find that some of my clients that have, I've got a lot of people that will buy on the, you know, around the 50K range, maybe a little bit smaller, and then some in the six figure range. And this, you are paying a premium. I like the Warren Buffett investment philosophy of buy, you know, spend money on a really good business rather than buying something that you're just trying to make work. But everybody is different horses for different courses. And I believe that there is a big portion of people that are in that position where they should buy a site around between 10 to $50,000 or on the smaller end, because that's where they're at financially. And they might have a bit more time and effort and resources to put into to get to a point where they can buy a larger site and i think we all start there i know that i did as well i bought my first one for 10k and i think it's a really good it's a really good thing to put yourself through the experience of learning how to grow a site before you move on to a a, a larger one if you have time and space and you don't want to rush through to and put a lot of pressure and stress on your stress on yourself so yeah different horses with different courses right like like you said, you bought some larger sites, but when you can see that, I mean, you've bought multiple sites, you've got experience in this now, you can go away and then just fight because you've got experience, which I think is really cool. Buying 12 sites, Michael, you would have learned a lot about due diligence and finding them and searching for them. First and foremost, before we move into due diligence, where have you where have you found most of these sites that you've been buying? Okay, so I've uh, purchased a couple on Flipper, uh, Flipper, and um, I've had pretty good luck with them. And then the other thing too is I put out a, a call in blogging mastermind groups and other networking groups that I'm in. Cool. And I actually tell people that I'm looking for websites. And if anybody knows somebody that's selling a website, if they refer them to me, I actually pay them a commission if the deal closes. Amazing. And so a lot of times friends will reach out to me and say, hey, I know this person that's looking at, you know, get out of blogging and they're interested in selling their site. So a lot of the sites that I've purchased have come from the negotiations like that. Cool. Cool. I love the idea of network. I bought my last one through network uh, and obviously being in the space for a while now, the network starts to grow. And I think most people should leverage that. And I think what scares a lot of people from doing that is because it'll take a long time to do it. But I think if you're investing, you should be doing it for the long term anyway. So it's worth investing in building a network and hanging out in those spaces. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And because one thing too, the kind of think about like a lot of on a lot of websites, especially the lower dollar amount websites that you'll see on Flippa, a lot of those are kind of you were made by somebody specifically to flip. So you have to be a little like extra, you know, careful with them where if you, you know, find a blog where someone was really trying to run it and it was their passion project, but they just maybe didn't have enough time to devote to it or 
um, you, you know, just didn't quite have the skill sets to take it to the next level or the capital to take it to the next level. If you can find someone like that, you can often get a little better deal. And then also sometimes, you know, opposed to negotiating or buying a website on Flipper or Empire, you know, sometimes with purchasing a website, you can negotiate terms. Uh, and yeah. so sometimes, you know, maybe they want a little higher price than what you're willing to kind of pay for it or think it's worth. And so sometimes you can negotiate something that is like, well, you know, how about I give you, you know, X down and, you know, a rev share for a small portion of time or, you know, or would you, you know, kind of hold a note on it or whatever. And sometimes that gives you an opportunity to take a little bit of risk off the table yeah. and potentially offer them a little better price and kind of meet in the middle a little bit better. Yeah, it's, I really think it's the best way to go is to give them as much as you can whilst decreasing your risk. You know, the earnout type structure, having some money left on the table, the notes. It's it's really a psychological thing that I find helps ease your mind as an investor, knowing that you haven't given them all the money yet for the asset, <laughs> which definitely. Yes definitely decrease the risk because if something was to happen, you you've, you kind of still have that money in your account and it, it just feels a lot nicer, even though that you do owe that to that that seller. Buying 12 sites, you've learned a lot through due diligence. What are some of the things that you would advise first-time investors to be looking at when they're doing due diligence on their first deals? Or what are some of the hiccups or things that you've seen? Because I'm sure you've got some stories. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and we haven't I, I I haven't won on on all of them. Uh, you know, yeah, we've you know purchased some things that maybe you know paid a little bit for. Um, but you know, the nice thing is you know with the multiples and everything with websites that even if you overpay a little bit for it, you know, you you still come out to being a really good investment. You know, maybe not as good of an investment as it could be, but you know, at the end of the day, if you get your money back and you know. 14 months instead of, you know, 12 months. Is that a bad investment? You know, probably not. Uh, but a lot of things with the due diligence we really look for is we, uh, I like to go in and uh, look in Google and get access to Google Search Console and Google Analytics and look through the data, you know, the data and see. Uh, first, you want to make sure the website doesn't have any manual penalties or anything mm -hmm. uh, with them. You want to look at the um, you want to look at where the traffic is kind of coming from to see if it looks, you know, kind of fishy or anything. Uh, we monetize most of our websites with AdThrive. So we know through AdThrive, like one thing that's really important to get into AdThrive with the website, even on the reduced threshold for owning multiple sites is a lot of the traffic has to be tier one. So it has to be, you know, a lot of it's got to be US based. So you want to make sure you go into analytics and you kind of, you know, look and see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is I like to run the websites through AREFs. You can do the same thing though with Moz or Samrush. I just happen to like AREFs. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to go in and look at the keyword rankings and I like to see that it has, you know, it's ranking for a lot of keywords. Yep. In particular, I like to see that it's ranking for a lot of keywords relative to maybe a small amount of backlinks or like a low domain rating or if you're using Moz, low uh, domain authority. Mm -hmm. So because basically I'm looking for things in the site that tells me that if I go and, uh, you know, put a little gas, you know, on the fire, it's going to grow. Yeah. So if, if a website's, you know, DR80, and DA80, and it doesn't rank for a lot of terms, you know, there could be, you know, could indicate that Google doesn't like it for some reason. Maybe it was doing kind of shady, you know, black hat SEO things in the past. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, how do you promote 
you know, a website, you know, how do you grow it and everything? If it's already doing everything right, if it's already getting a ton of backlinks and everything, you know, how do you add more fuel to that kind of fire? So I like to look for those things. I like to uh, look for, um, you know, uh, you know, basically, and I don't want to call it flip because you're not flipping the sites, but you know, just like when you're, you know, flipping houses, like, a, a you know, uh, when you're going out and buying, you know, real estate to try to fix up and maybe, you know, fix it up and rent it out or fix it up and sell it. You're looking for things that are kind of, you know, a little bit stinky that yeah. a lot of people are going to maybe thumb their noses up at it a little bit. So I kind of look for those kind of sites where, okay, you know, this has, you know, a, a lot of terms on page two or page three. So maybe if we go in and apply more links, improve the SEO, you know, improve the the writing quality of the website, that the post will respond favorably to it. I love it. So basically, you're at the start, you're looking for potential in growth, really, uh, by using, you know, Google, Google Analytics, checking it out, um, adding the different types of monetization to it, and then also looking at keywords and um, what you can rank for or may not be able to rank for. Uh, I had the same discussion yesterday with a one-to-one coaching client where looking for scalability of content with keywords through 8hrefs when purchasing a site. Now, what about risk? Because I'm, I'm big on looking at risk first before opportunity because I'd rather buy something. I believe everything's got opportunity. We all have opportunity. Every business has opportunity and we can find it if we're positive and we know where to look for it. And we've got that lens that we can use to look for that opportunity. And I would rather buy something that has opportunity, but with a baseline of minimal risk. So what are some of the things that you're looking at um, in terms of risk and trying to identify certain risks within a site that you're looking at buying? Well, as, as far as like if, if particularly if you're referring to like risk of like transaction risk, you know, we always make sure that we do things with, with a contract and that, uh, you know, we pay them, you know, pay anybody through escrow or, you know, a, you know, PayPal or some sort of mechanism where you have, you know, some sort of recourse to recollect your payment. Mm-hmm. We don't release payment until we receive the site. So as far as transaction risk, you know, always use, you know, a good, you know, third party escrow or something like that to make sure that you're payments kind of secure. And that's one benefit to using, you know, one of the, you know, website, you know, purchasing, you know, brokers. Oh, and the other thing is if you're buying up, you know, a website through, you know, somebody, um, you know, a referral or somebody, you know, have a good contract. And even then we would, you know, pay them through escrow or, you know, PayPal, if it's a series of payments and everything to kind of make, you don't have that transaction risk with it. Mm. And then as far as like, kind of like economic risk with the website itself, uh, the way we reduce, you know, risk with that is again, you know, I like to go through and look and see if there's any kind of toxic links. I like to go back and look through the Wayback machine, you know, mm-hmm. put the website in there and see, you know, has it been used for, you know, anything else? You know, a lot of times people will buy, uh, expired domains and then they'll build new content sites on them yeah uh to to use the um the link profile and the high domain profile and i'll make the website look really good but you know maybe before that person bought it it was used to you know sell viagra or whatever right yeah so you have to be really kind of careful so i like to look at you know the links to the website run it through the wayback machine look and see you know what was previously you know on the website um, and just make sure that, you know, it, it seems like it's kind of safe and seems like it's a legitimate, a legitimate site. And, and, you know, you'll learn a lot actually just by 
you know, kind of shopping around a little bit. That's the cool thing about like, you know, talking to other website owners, talking yeah. to people that are listing websites, you know, you might talk to 20 people before you find the one website that you want to buy, but you'll learn a little bit about each one of, you know, each one of those tra potential transactions, you'll learn from that, what to look out for, what seems kind of fishy. So you'll start picking up kind of, you know, different things. And then the other thing too is, you know, for reducing risk, sometimes we'll actually reach out to AdThrive and I'll say like, you know, I'm thinking about buying this website. Can you take a look at it and see if it's something that your advertisers would potentially approve? And they've been really great to work with. And they've looked at some of the websites with me and they've gone, yeah, we think, you know, we think this is you know, pretty good. We think it shouldn't have a problem. We think that, you know, if you move it over, you'll boost, you know, RPMs. So, cool. you know, that's another way to reduce risk some. Yeah, that's excellent. Asking for other people's help is, is so critical in the deal. I think you're spot on. Actually, I don't think I know that you're spot on with looking at multiple deals helps you identify risk within other businesses and helps you become a better investor. Uh, I've just had a conversation the other day with a, another client who said, hey, Jared, I've, I've done X amount of DDs, like due diligence on deals, and through doing so, he kind of knows how to value those types of businesses because he's done it on that type of business so many times without needing my help. And that's the goal is the goal is to teach people to, or our goal is to teach people to fish rather than give a man a fish. And I think it's awesome that you say, say the same thing is you've noticed you really then know the market and you really know the true value of a business. And why that's so important is because brokers and people will list businesses at a price that the business is not actually worth. And so sometimes beginners go away and will get burnt by paying that price, paying too much for a deal that may actually have risk because they're trying to rush in to buy a business that can help them just replace their income rather than do it in a methodical way like a, an, a seasoned investor. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever bought a business where you're like, wow, maybe I shouldn't have bought this business or maybe some of the things that you have, you hadn't seen some risks until you had purchased the businesses and like, yeah, so you don't, you don't have to I, share I, anything I, here, but it's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, ab ab absolutely. So I, I did, I got, con you know, I fell in love with the idea of food blocking. Yeah. So, so because compared to personal finance, like when oh, I would yeah. go into a, when I would go into a refs, I, I would see like, you know, um, I can't think of a good keyword, like something like, you know, uh, easy desserts and it's searched like 2 billion times a month. Yeah. And, and compared to a money term, which is like, you know, best apps to save money and search like 2000 times a month. Right. So yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, I want to go after, I want to go after food. That's got to be easier than money. So I purchased a food blog and you can tell I like to eat, but I don't like really like to cook and I'm not a photographer. So I purchased a food blog and I thought that I could run a food blog just by outsourcing the, uh, you know, the recipes and the photography. Yeah. And I went through like three different chefs and potential photographers to produce the content. And I just could not outsource the content of sufficient quality to make that food blog make any money. Mm. So I ended up kicking it down the road and taking a little bit of a loss on that food blog because I just didn't, you know, I, under, I understand, I feel like I kind of understand SEO. I feel I know how to write content, but I just didn't have the resources to the produce, yeah. you know, food content. That's like, 
a completely different niche compared to, cause it's not just writing, right? You, you know, a food blog is really all about images yes. and obviously coming up with good recipes. And I, I just couldn't produce the, the, the images or anything at a cost effective kind of, kind of way. Yeah. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we just, uh, I've had that where I've, you know, I've invested in things where I'm just like, wow, okay, this, I thought this would be a lot easier. Um, and it wasn't what I ex expected, but it's something that we learned from. Is there anything? Yeah, have, have you ever, have you ever lost on a, on, a, on a blog? I haven't lost on a blog. Um, no. but there's been more risks that have, that I didn't see earlier in the earlier days. Um, I mean, I've looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of sites now. Uh, but in the earlier days, there was some, my, the first business I bought there, it had, um, dependency on, multiple suppliers and they were outdated and the software needed work and it was just a this is my first ever deal and i did it by myself <laughs> so i learned the hard way for the through the first deal um and the second deal got a bit better um changed a few things and as i you know just the same as you i'm sure that you sort of learn as you go and you get better and better as you go as well have you ever noticed some shady things that sellers have done when they're trying to sell their business that have caused you to see that there's too much of a risk that you wouldn't take on that that business investment absolutely uh there's been a couple times where we've looked at listings and requested access to google analytics and found some of the traffic is suspicious session duration was kind of low so when we looked at it, we thought, felt that it was just, you know, too risky. I'm not saying necessarily that they're buying fake traffic, but it certainly appeared that way. Mm. And sometimes it's better to just, you know, turn a good deal away than risk, you know, making a bad deal. Definitely. Sometimes what I've found is beginners will look at a deal and they'll see that there's a risk there, but then they go, I maybe I can make this work. And they try to make the shoe fit rather than realizing, hang on a second, how many things am I trying to make work? And is it, you know, is that too much? Is it going to catch me off guard? Because like, like you say, like sometimes risks can be opportunities in disguise or problems can be opportunities in disguise, but how many of those problems and how many of those risks are you going to take on before it becomes too much for you to actually deal with and you can't actually turn all of it into an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the big thing is to just go slow though, because there are, you know, there are, you know, tons of websites out there coming up for sale all the time. So if you're thinking about buying one, you don't necessarily have to, you know, rush into them. Yeah. And in fact, like, you know, there's been some times where I've actually like rushed into a site a little bit. And then like, sure enough, like two days later, a better site comes along and it's like, oh, well, I can't buy, you know, I'm going to have to pass on that opportunity because, you know, I'm tied up in the, this other one. So yeah. You know, you don't want to necessarily rush into something just because, you know, you're excited about it. It's it's best to kind of, you know, do your research, you know, think a little bit about it, you know, give it some thought. I'm so grateful that you said that. Don't rush into it, guys. <laughs> Listen to the, Michael, the man who's, who's done this multiple times. So, Michael, once you've bought some of these sites, other than changing it over to AdThrive, what are some of the other things that you do? to grow it? Like, is it more content, links, SEO changes, site speed? What are some, what's your go-to? Yeah. So it's a, it's a little bit, of, it's a little bit of all of that. So, you know, I really kind of look for uh, websites that are, uh, that need a little bit of work. 
a pose that are like completely perfect because if the website's already as fast as you can make it, has all the links you could possibly get to it, has perfect content and has everything that's like completely well oiled, then, you know, you can certainly grow a website like that, but there's just not as much opportunity for me to step in and kind of add value to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually looking for those things that are like, you know, those sites that have good content or, or have good enough content, but maybe, you know, uh, you know, maybe the previous owner was kind of being cheap and had the thing on a slow host and it was failing core web vitals, or maybe, yeah. you know, they had kind of an ugly outdated kind of, you know, cheap theme or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe they weren't fully, you know, they weren't doing anything for, you know, kind of backlink building or anything. So I really look for those, you know, kind of opportunities. Yeah. And so, you know, I like, I like good, you know, good content that just needs to be kind of, you know, wrapped in a better kind of wrapper. So typically when we buy a website, uh, one thing I like to do with all the websites is I like to standardize the themes across all my websites as much as possible. So you got the same theme like each website, you mean? Yes, same theme yeah. to the extent possible. It's not always possible, but I like to use basically the same theme for all the websites. I like to use the same plugins for all the websites, and I like to use the same hosting environment. Cool. And the reason for that is, is it just eliminates variables, right? If I know, okay, all these websites are, you know, with big scoots, they're all, you know, using these same themes. They all have similar ad layouts. They're all, you know, very, very similar. And then I notice that, one website has an RPM that seems significantly lower than the RPMs on the other websites. Now I can start going and, you know, easily figure out what's going on. If you have websites that are with, you know, different themes, different ad networks, you know, you can still kind of find problems, but it just becomes that much harder. Yeah. I like the ideology of, of removing variables. (laughs) That's really, really cool. So yeah. when you say a, a, a site has the content's not amazing, what do you do? Do you delete content? Do you update content or do you add content? And when would you each of those? If it was That's a great question. So I, I, I never delete content on a, on a site that I purchased right away. So uh, because you never know when you start making changes, if some of that poor performing content might kind of rise up a little bit in rankings. Yeah. So the first thing I do with every website that I purchase is I try to get it to make sure it's passing core web vitals because that's a Google ranking you know, ranking factor. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I go and I look and see if they're ranking, you know, keywords and whatever's kind of ranking the best. I just kind of sort in order of the content. And the first thing I do is I start going through and just do a quick grammar edit on all, all the content. Yeah. So either I'll do that personally, or I'll have someone on my team, one of my editors go through and start just doing a quick grammar edit on all the content. I like to use Grammarly for that uh, and just kind of, you know, fix it up a little bit. And then as you know, we're fixing up the content, we'll go in and maybe, you know, change out the featured images real quick, put in a better featured image. If it has old Pinterest graphics in it, We'll change that up a little bit and just do a pass through all the content 
and just fix it up as much as we possibly can. And a lot of times those websites will start responding very, very favorably to doing that. Yeah. Do you think it, it responding because Google is seeing that you've refreshed things and they, they like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think they're seeing that just new activity. I think Google likes freshness. So when we revise a post, when we do a grammar edit of the post, we'll then republish that post. We'll set you know new date and time. We'll freshen up the post, the same thing. So sometimes, you know, maybe the site had, uh, you know, you know, best apps of 2021 and it's 2022 now. So obviously, you know, change that to best apps of 2022, take out anything that's, you know, no longer relevant yep. and revise it and republish that content. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Michael, thanks so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about buying sites and growing them. Where can people find out more about what you're doing? Because I know that you've got a lot of experience as a financial advisor and then you've got some other cool things going on too. Well, we run a uh, blogging mastermind group. So that's probably the best place to find me talking about blogging. I don't actually talk about blogging that much on my on my, on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you want to you know, network with me and talk about blogging and share ideas, we run a blogging mastermind group called The Money Mix. And it's moneymix.us and you can go in there and and join our blogging mastermind group. Cool. All right. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you. Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Everybody that is listening, thank you so much for listening as well. I do greatly appreciate it. Also, if you are listening and you know somebody that's looking to either buy a site or has a content site and wanting to grow it, please do them a massive favor and share this podcast episode with them. Selfishly, it helps us grow the podcast and make more of an impact in helping people buy and scale sites and it helps your friend. So thank you so much for sharing. Speak to you soon.